Hi, everyone. I'm Haley Griffiths, and this is The Science of Social Media, a podcast by Buffer, your weekly sandbox for social media stories, insights, experimentation, and learning. Welcome to episode 136. This week, we're diving into the world of retargeting, specifically what retargeting is, why it works, and how you can use retargeting to systematically boost product sales. Retargeting is a powerful tool for brands to turn window shoppers into buyers and long-term customers. Whether you're just getting started or a seasoned retargeting expert, today's seven tips will help take your retargeting ad campaigns to the next level. A warm welcome to the show, everyone. Let's kick it off. Did you know that only two to 5% of shoppers purchase a product on the first visit to an online store? That means that 95 to 98% of shoppers are visiting your store and leaving without ever buying from you. What if there was a way to communicate with those people? What if you could sell more products to those people who are already familiar with your brand? Luckily for us as marketers, there is. It involves a super effective marketing strategy, as you probably guessed by now, known as retargeting. Retargeting helps you win back visitors, turning them into customers, email subscribers, advocates, and much more. But I'm sure this concept isn't entirely new to the listeners of this show. You've probably heard of or experimented with retargeting advertising campaigns in the past. Retargeting ads plays into one of the oldest concepts in marketing, the rule of seven. The rule of seven simply states that the prospective buyer should hear or see your marketing message at least seven times before they buy it from you. It is predicated on the notion of building trust with the buyer over the course of several messages or interactions. Exactly. The key to retargeting is that it's much, much easier to advertise and sell to people who already like you versus brand new customers. For example, and this is a fun little game, which product are you more likely to buy? The pair of shoes you search for 10 times, read six reviews about, and then see a discount code for on social media, or a random pair of shoes you see in your Instagram feed? I think it's pretty clear. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, retargeting is most effective if you segment your visitors, for example, people who looked at shoes versus pants, and then tailor the retargeting ads shown to each group. The best performing retargeting creative has a clear call to action and promotes an offer. Different products warrant different retargeting time windows. For example, people shopping for travel should be retargeted immediately. People shopping for luxury goods might require a different, more long-term retargeting strategy, which we'll talk about in this episode. Which brings us to the seven easy improvements you can make. Notice the coincidental use of the number seven there. I don't know if that was on purpose or if if it just worked out. But for today's episode, we're going to assume that you already have the Facebook pixel and any other relevant product pixels set up on the back end of your website. This is the first step in allowing you to effectively retarget your customers and your campaigns. And if you're curious on how to set up pixels, feel free to visit buffer.com slash resources, where we have a ton of info on the subject with that. Haley, would you like to kick us off with the first tip? I would love to. So the first one is really important and actually applies to all of your retargeting campaigns, and that's to understand your specific buyer's journey or buyer cycle. It's similar to the sales funnel in that the process begins with more customers at the top in the awareness stage and ends at the bottom with fewer people in the conversion stage. Retargeting is intended to capture more of those consumers as they proceed through the funnel, but if you're not careful, you can actually damage conversion rates by ignoring the buy cycle. Right, the customer may simply not be ready to buy or 
Worst case scenario, they might have chosen a competitor or maybe they've already bought the product from a competitor. So if you keep your retargeting window open for a long time, you increase the likelihood that you're retargeting a customer who is no longer in the right spot of the buy cycle. And in many cases, retargeting can actually work against you. We have a very simple recommendation here. If you're considering letting your retargeting ad campaigns roll along on their own, don't do it. It's not just about showing your ad to the wrong person multiple times, which by the way, can be quite annoying to customers. And I'm sure we've all been there. It's more about losing all awareness of the performance of your ads. If there's only one thing marketers need, it's a detailed understanding of their data and the effectiveness of their marketing initiatives. That means understanding what's successful and what's not, who's converting on what, and which ad set or ad creatives have the highest ROI. Setting up your retargeting and keeping it on autopilot without your constant oversight is extremely risky and will devalue your marketing campaigns. That means the opposite, which is constant experimentation and iteration to ensure you're always maximizing your advertising dollars. Now that the big overview is out of the way, our second tip involves improving your audience targeting. We've talked to lots of brands that start out with targeting anyone and everyone that visits their website in their retargeting campaigns. For example, if we targeted anyone that visits Buffer.com or Buffer.com slash resources with a generic Buffer ad. Which we actually did when we first started with retargeting. Needless to say, that approach isn't the most effective. Customers visit your website for lots of different reasons. They visit different pages. The pages they visit represent different buyer intents, or maybe they're not looking to buy at all. The key is to match your custom ad audiences to those shoppers' specific intents. Right. So if you're an e-commerce brand, that might seem obvious. If someone visits your website shopping for shoes, make sure that you segment those people into a custom audience labeled as shoe shoppers or footwear. And we'll talk about the best type of content for segmented audiences in a little while. But if you're a SaaS product, service, or something non-physical product related, it's even more important to segment your audiences based on behavior. For example, over the past year, we've created various audiences based on the subject matter they are interested in learning about. So we have a custom audience for traffic to all Facebook marketing pages, Instagram marketing, customer experience, case studies, etc. That allows us to be hyper-focused on what type of content we actually deliver, which, of course, the great thing about it is helps us, it helps us to drive down advertising costs. Which leads us perfectly into tip number three, frequency. Frequency is something that many advertisers don't necessarily consider in their campaigns, but should be thinking about in terms of improving their overall performance. A recent study on U.S. consumer emotions associated with retargeting ads determined that ad frequency had a negative impact on buyer emotions. Heavy ad frequency changes a buyer's outlook from positive to, to creeped out. I love that. <laughs> that was actually in the article. It can be intrusive, annoying, and worse yet, it may cause customers to become angry with your brand, which will affect current and future sales. Make sure to implement some sort of ad frequency limit on your campaigns. At Buffer, for example, we've implemented a frequency of three limit. If the audience starts seeing the ad more than three times, we'll either shut it off or change up the ad creative. Yeah, so what we're not saying here is that you should stop advertising to people after they've seen your ad twice. What we are saying is that sometimes the ad creative and audience combination isn't perfect. We found that one audience performs super well with a certain creative, but that same ad performs poorly with another audience. It goes back to tip number one of ensuring that you're constantly experimenting and learning about your customer journey. Ooh, and also one last point here, bonus tip, I guess, if you will. 
Bonus. Make sure, yeah, bonus tip. Make sure that when you're setting up your custom audiences, that you're filtering out anyone that has converted, so that they're not seeing an ad for a product they've already purchased. I've definitely had that happen to me before, uh, and not specifically if you're an e-commerce brand. For other types of businesses, you can filter and segment out people that don't make sense for the ad. For example, if we're trying to get new signups to our product Reply, we might target anyone that has visited a blog post on customer experience, anyone that has visited Buffer.com for brand recognition, and then of course have to exclude anyone that has visited the sign up completion page on reply. That's a big one. We might have to rename this episode to eight easy ways. <laughs> all right. Tip number four for your retargeting campaigns is all about your offer. We had Facebook ad expert Molly Pittman on the show back in episode number 42, which is still a super relevant episode to this day. And she discussed this idea of lead magnets. Lead magnets are your most compelling call to action, something that you know your customers love and that other people will love too. If you're not sure what that lead magnet could be, start with a quick analysis of your website traffic. What products, pages, or articles are people visiting most frequently? Those are all great starts for lead magnets. Then if you want to take it a step further, check out conversion rates for those products or pages. In other words, what's the total number of people that convert from a specific page compared to total number of visitors to that page? Obviously, the higher the conversion rate, the better the magnet. At Buffer, we had no idea where to start with retargeting, so we did just what you said, Brian. We found that one of our posts on Instagram marketing had a lot of traffic and an unusually high conversion rate to product trials. So we created two custom audiences. One was based on specific Instagram-related blog traffic, i.e. people that were interested in this subject, and then the other one was based on general blog traffic, and then we compared the two. Today, that ad has driven more than 175,000 clicks to our website and thousands of product trials. We've also done the same to help grow this podcast, targeting audiences based on specific interests and then matching episodes to those interests. So really, really great strategy to keep in mind for advertisers. Uh, moving on to number five, and that's to use dynamic creative ads on Facebook. You've probably experimented with dynamic product ads on Facebook, but have you tried dynamic creative ads? We've been talking to brands a lot more about these lately. Dynamic creative ads are a tremendous advertising tool because they ultimately take the guessing out of your advertising copy. You can upload multiple images or videos, headline and description variations, as well as CTA button texts, and then Facebook will test and automatically optimize for the best combinations. To prove this point, Greg Bullock, a marketing manager at TheraSpecs, mentioned in a recent interview that, quote, not only have we seen a 10% reduction in the cost per conversion of our remarketing efforts on Facebook, but we are also able to identify the assets that are more likely to resonate with our target audience based on the analytics. This further helps inform other marketing campaigns both on and off Facebook. It's important to note here that because dynamic creative ads only work with traffic, conversions, and app install campaigns, it's best to use these type of ads in the middle and the bottom of your sales funnel. Exactly. For instance, if you are an e-commerce business that sells sunglasses, you could easily test standard product photos versus action shots versus customer testimonials in your ads. Facebook will then put your budget to the ads that are performing best. It's really similar to Facebook's new campaign budget optimization feature. Ooh, yeah, that's a great point, Haley. With CBO, campaign budget optimization, you enter your budget at the campaign level instead of the ad set level, and Facebook will automatically op optimize your budget to whichever ad set is performing best. So that allows you to test various ad sets and audiences super easily. Um, so yeah, highly recommend checking that out. 
Definitely. All right. So number six is to set up a simple sequential engagement campaign. Essentially what you're doing here is taking a large audience and converting them into smaller, more qualified audiences. This is different from segmenting your audience because this is based on people who interact with your content. So it's a great way to grow your brand awareness while also moving people down the funnel. And if you've never heard of a simple sequential engagement campaign, <laughs> you probably it, we've made it up here on the show, but it'll make sense here in a second. I'll give you an example. Let's say you're a small to medium-sized e-commerce brand that sells unique hair products. Well, you can start by boosting a video that has performed well organically on Facebook or Instagram. We typically put $20 per you know, $20 per day behind that content. After a while, the views of that video will slowly pile up. You can then create an audience based on people who have watched three seconds, 10 seconds, 50%, 75%, or even a hundred percent and target with target them with an ad that makes sense sequentially. That could be to buy your product or read a blog post or visit your website. Put yourself in the mind of your audience here. Think if I saw this ad, what would be the next logical step? Then map that out over the course of a few days to a few weeks. It's a game changer when you think of ads this way. It really is. And finally, number seven is to embrace the emotional element of advertising. We all like to believe that we're intelligent buyers who always act rationally, but that's only partially true. Our emotional side has a lot to say when it comes to purchasing products. A simple list of product features might convince the rational self in some users, but has no effect at all on the emotional self. Our emotional self doesn't care about features. That part of us wants benefits. No one wants to become a millionaire just to have money. They want the beneficial lifestyle that comes with being rich. Likewise, you don't buy a product for its features. You buy it to solve a problem and thereby to make your life better. It's important to address both the rational and emotional side of your potential customers in your ads. Speak like a human, use emotive language, talk about benefits, not features. Help people imagine a life with your product, one they never knew existed. Thank you so much for tuning into the Science of Social Media today. As always, we deeply appreciate your kind ratings and reviews on iTunes. And if ever you'd like to get in touch with myself or Brian, we're always here for you on social media using the hashtag Buffer Podcast. You can also send us an email anytime at hello at buffer.com. Lots of great episodes lined up for you in the next couple of weeks. Stay tuned for nine ways to improve your Instagram content, plus lots more. Looking forward to next Monday, everyone.